Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network's 10 days of Academy Award Best Picture nominated films, and we are up to number eight. Eight? Eight. Yes. Eight. I'm saying eight, one way or the other. Number eight, uh, which is approximately five more sides than a triangle has, but we're still going to talk about Triangle of Sadness, the movie that... Even I had no idea what this movie was really about, what uh, to expect from it. And I'm saying it right now, I absolutely love this movie. I'm buying it. I'm buying this movie. <laughs> I'm buying it over Swept Away, yes. Um, am I buying it over Parasite? I don't know. But uh, we talked about something similar to this a couple of years ago, a movie called Parasite. And Swept and Away? This one, and Swept Away. Ooh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, there's my quote from the movie. Uh, very appropriate. This movie's got lots of vomiting and some Woody Harrelson. Um, and I'm so excited to talk about this that I am stalling to find my line and I finally found my line. So I'm going to start it now. Um, my name is Colin and I love you. You give me fish. <laughs> oh, you finally admitted it. Uh, and my name is Ben and Colin, we shouldn't just slip into the stereotypical gender based roles that everyone else seems to be doing. I want us to be equal. Well, fat chance. Uh, <laughs> just call me fat. Fuck you. <laughs> Slim chance. Stupid man. Typical man. Man, man, man. Typical man. Typical man. <laughs> this movie is the, the type of movie I look for when I watch all the Oscar-nominated movies. Not just Best Picture, but anything else nominated for Oscars. A movie that maybe you don't know much about, and then you watch it, and you're like, I just saw something so absolutely brilliant, so amazing, that uh, I'm excited to talk about it on the Oz Network. That's exactly what I look for. And I don't know if I'm alone in this. I know you have commented on a few things that you enjoyed about this movie. We haven't really gone over our opinions much, but wow, I love this movie. What did you think? Yeah, I did too. I mean, I had no clue again. I literally had no clue what this movie was about. I knew it had Woody Harrelson in it. And then I was like, cool. All right. Um, And so like, you know, it started off and I'm like, oh, it's about fashion. All right. This will be interesting. Then they're on a boat. I'm like, okay, they're on a boat. The next minute they're on a freaking island. I'm like, what? Okay, this movie took a turn. Um, But it's just... It's interesting because it's just, I don't know, like, it, it's, it's again, I keep saying this through all these ones, it's simple, but and then it's kind of like it's got commentary on, you know, rich and poor, and again, as I said yesterday, I think this does it better than Parasite, but that's just me. Um, it is also swept away without Madonna, which I'm a bit sad that Madonna's not in it, but it's just... It, I think you said yesterday that it's three movies in one. It is three movies in mm-hmm. one. And it's just some of the stuff it does because it's kind of like you're thinking, oh, this is just like a standard drama. But then it's got some really over-the-top, gross-out <laughs> comedy in it. Like, it's disgusting. And you're like, holy fuck, where did this come from? Um, and then it's just, yeah, it's 
it's just fun. And it, it's, again, it's another two and a half hour movie. Like, again, we keep complaining yeah. about this, but it, it goes by quickly. Uh, this is very entertaining, this movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, first we'll just talk a little bit about the the Parasite comparisons here, uh, because I don't know how many people have made those comparisons. It really is about the whole class divide. That's, that's a big part of what this movie is. And I, I think, um, would I say that it does it better than Parasite? I don't know. I think that Parasite was a much less obvious approach. This one, like, you you know about halfway through the movie, okay, as soon as Woody Harrelson comes in the movie, you're like, all right, that's what this movie's about. I get it. Uh, and they definitely hammer in the point a little bit more, but this is more of a satire than Parasite. So um, I'm, I'm not going to fault it for being a little bit more obvious with it. But then they also get into, like, with your opening line, like, things about, you know, gender roles and everything like that. And what I appreciate about this movie, and it's very similar to what I said about women talking and very similar to what I said about Tar is that it's taking a very topical topic and it is putting, I'm not even going to say, say a spin on it, but is presenting it from all sides. And like a that's triangle. The most fascinating thing. Like a triangle, yes. <laughs> uh, and that's the most fascinating thing about this movie is, I mean, you have that first act, which is you think just a story about models and they're doing a lot of talk about gender roles and everything. And then the movie kind of goes further and further and you're like, Oh, you know, I kind of thought that he was like maybe being a big baby about this, but I'm like, maybe he has a bit of a point. And then they flip it around and you're like, okay, so now he's going to be sexually objectified where it would normally be her. (laughs) How do do you process that? And the same thing with like the the class roles. I mean, the middle section of this movie is essentially Woody Harrelson and one of the passengers going on and on about communism versus uh, capitalism. And okay, interesting discussion. And then you realize that's so much what this movie is about when you get to I guess the third act and without spoiling it, one character kind of sums up everything they've been talking about in both good and bad ways. Like what I loved was that I'm watching this one character sort of assume this capitalist role. And well, I worked for this, so I deserve more. And I'm like, they have a point. They kind of do, but then like, well, but are they taking it too far now? I don't know. Like you're, you're really torn between are these characters, right? Are they wrong? It, it's, it's a perfect movie was presenting both sides and showing you, like tar and like women talking there's no simple answer to this it's just but this is funny at the same time it presents it in a comical way yeah and i think it like going back to the parasite bit like you sort of mentioned yeah satire satire this is more satire and like again i don't dislike parasite i, I don't i liked the movie parasite i just again the way it's been talked about like this is a groundbreaking film like it really was a fine film but i don't think it was that amazing that everybody kind of p- points it out to be and I just kind of enjoyed this model. Maybe I enjoy satire more than Korean films. I don't know. Or English language. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Less reading. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of, again, I think it's it's going into this and not knowing what it's about, maybe you do take more out of it because if you go into a movie knowing what it's about, or you got a picture of what you're going to expect and I, look, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I expected that on Parasite either when I watched that, you know, sort of what that was about. But it's just, it's interesting how it goes and how quickly it turns. And what do we talk about? The Book of Henry many years ago about that infamous change and how the tone in that changes. But I mean, even like the tone kind of does change in this, but like it's still done in a way where you just accept it and go, okay, well, this is what it's been building up to. It's it's almost like, a, this is a weird comparison, like a Pulp Fiction where kind of like if you, you're paying mm. attention to it and you're going like, well, what's where's this going? And then it all kind of comes together at the end. And it's sort of, that's kind of what this is. It's got an odd ending, but oh, it's yeah. still a decent ending. 
and Brilliant, yeah, I'd say like the objectification of kind of both genders in this film, and like even just like I think the middle section is my entire favorite part, just because I just love the way you intro- get introduced to these really rich characters and just the way they're sort of going about their life and everything. I love the boat captain woman; she's fantastic. Yeah. Um, just the way she kind of handles things. But can we just talk about Dolly De Leon and the fact that oh, she's wow. completely robbed of an Oscar nomination? And I yeah. read there's an article. They she's from the Philippines, and I, there was some Philippines news agency obviously did an interview with her, sort of like, "Hey, like, are you sad that you didn't get nominated for an Oscar?" And she's like, "I was like, I cried." Um, and I'm like, "Oh, like poor Dolly, give her a hug." Like she got nominated for a Golden Globe, but um, she was amazing. And because you don't. It's kind of like they just completely introduce a new character in the third act, and she's yeah. in the movie before this, but you just don't really pay attention. Maybe that's the point. Like, you don't yeah. pay attention to that sort of lower-class help on a boat like that until all of a sudden, boom. So I think it's very cleverly done in the fact that even as an audience, we're not paying attention to her character just like the characters aren't, and then, boom, she's basically the absolute star. And if freaking Judd Hirsch, love you, Judd, really do... <laughs> But if he can get nominated for like two minutes of screen time in the Fablemans, how the fuck does Dolly DeLeon not get nominated for an Oscar? Uh, I mean, if she was in the supporting actress category, I I would be torn and say I might be pulling for her to win the whole thing. And I mean, I think that's maybe the most stacked category this year. Like she is so good in this movie. And like you said, it's almost intentional that they don't introduce her because when she comes into the final act of the movie, I'm like, wait, so is that the one that, said, can I come back in an hour? And that's literally the only role she really had in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great twist that we have. Now we've given away that twist. Not not a twist, really. The twists come with what she does. But uh, another thing that was really interesting with this movie, talking about the middle section, is I- I've seen some reviews of people who are completely misinterpreting this movie where they're like, oh, well, you know, this one character in the movie literally becomes uh, everything that was so bad about all the rich people. I'm like, were you watching the same movie as I was? Like... This is the best example of rich people. And that's kind of the satire of this movie is that it is these rich, stuffy people you think are going to be like slave drivers. They're like, no, 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 no. Pick up my towel, boy. You know, it's everything like that. But like part of the events, the, the downfall of what happens in this movie is essentially because these rich people are like, you deserve to have fun too. We want you to stop doing your job and join us for having fun. And then you see the consequences of that, you know? So again, a little bit of a commentary on it. it's like, okay, it's nice to say everybody should be equal, but like uh, there's certain scenarios where it's like somebody's got a job to do and look what happens afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just kind of the, the fun of this. And um, it's just like, and again, so many sort of things because you just, you're constantly wondering what's happening with this movie. Where's it going and everything along those lines. But it just, it kind of just keeps going and going. And you talk about like, you know, people not appearing in it for much long. Woody Harrelson, I mean, he's, Maybe yeah. in it for like how long is he in it for? Not not a whole lot of time. Not less than half an hour. I mean, but he's got a lot to do, and I guess the 20, 30 minutes he's in the movie. Yeah, and it's kind of like even the thing that I would say too, and it's no disrespect to the two main young guys, but like you, they're not even. I mean, they're good, but it's kind of like you don't even really focus on them, really, do you? And they're in mm-hmm. it for the the longest movie. So it was a Harris Dickinson as a Carl, as you would say, Cal. And uh, Cheruby Dean as Yaya, uh, Divine Sisters so, of the Yaya Sisterhood. There she is. So I don't know if you read any of this, but very sad news. The, the I guess, leading actress in this movie, Cheruby Dean, she died only a couple months ago. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, I mean, she died really just before this movie came out. So I did this not is know that. Really Fucking hell. Last thing she did. And it's funny because uh, it's funny she's dead. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. 
Those rich models, they all deserve it's to die. Scatman John again? <laughs> ah, oh, that's terrible. But, uh, I didn't know that. But I guess she had had a surgery years ago, which they're saying ultimately is what they suspect. It was, her death is tied to because she had her spleen removed. And I'm watching this movie. I'm like, does she have like a giant scar on her belly? And that scar is really from the surgery. So when I kind of read that halfway through the movie, I'm like, are these people? And I'm like, oh man, now it's it's almost like, you know, kind of dark and sinister watching this movie. And you're like, that, that's what kills this woman. But it is sad. I mean, she is, she is obviously not the scene sealer of this movie, but she's also not meant to be, you know? I think both of the leads, they did find it very similar to something like All Quiet on the Western Front, you know? You have these two leads in the movie that are passable. 1917 is another example. You got two leads, you're with them for the entire movie, they're passable, but they don't necessarily like blow you away. But this movie, you're kind of meant to be blown away by all like the more insane characters. And the fact that everything with the plot ultimately comes down to what happens to these two characters and they are probably the most normal ones and they're models, like models being the most normal ones, that's kind of amusing. But I mean, I, I knew, the only thing I really knew about this movie, I saw no clips of it. Uh, I saw no trailer, nothing. I sort of heard about this maybe just before the Oscar nominations came out. And I heard there's this movie Triangle of Sadness. Woody Harrelson was in it. And I heard that it was about the modeling profession and a cruise ship. So I was envisioning this entire movie to be a cruise ship full of models. And so when you get that first act and I'm like, all right, so this is going to be a movie about models. Can't wait for this. And they do have some fun playing on like certain stereotypes without it being like too much of a we're making fun of these people as a joke. Like, uh, you know, particularly when they're on the ship and taking a bunch of selfies of their pretending to eat the food. And they're like, so you're going to eat that? It's like, no, I'm 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 gluten intolerant. You know, I can't eat this. They they do have some fun with that, but like for the most part, the outrageous characters are not the models. They are presented as the normal ones, which is kind of unusual. Yeah. Uh just quickly, I said about um Charlby Char- Char- She's South African. Charlby. I just looked at the Charlby. Best known apparently for a South African film franchise called Spud. She was in Spud and Spud 2 The Madness Continues, starring Troy Savan and John Cleese. Um, yeah. So John Cleese doing South African movies now. <laughs> who would have? Who would have thunk it? Um, but yeah, like I love kind of that. So like I, I love all the bits around them being influencers and they're sort of saying like, oh yeah, we we didn't pay to do this. We just get paid to like take photos and it's just like yeah. you know, <laughs> um, just just hilarity in that. But yeah, like it's sort of the characters around that. Like it was the old couple who make bombs or something like that like yeah it's just, oh yes we just now, make weapons dear like and- i asked you if you recognized or knew of the star wars activists in here but that guy the guy who makes grenades for a living uh that's governor seal bibble from the star wars prequels he was in all three oh. of the star wars prequels that, bibble, that's the, the death the death the death toll is catastrophic oh there you go um, i didn't know that did, grenades did you did you recognize the uh wealthy russian do- dude in this who he's from he looked familiar but uh he's was the he, wealthy was he russian in, uh, dude in 2012 i was gonna say was he 2012 because <laughs> that's the other wealthy russian film it's i could think of you know type maybe he's really a russian a wealthy russian guy in real life and he's just like yes i play me my <laughs> yeah. play same character in big movie um and we liked him in 2012 obviously yeah. um but uh here he is but uh I, it, I, I hate that show, Below Deck. Stupid show. But did this middle part of this uh, show not remind you of Below Deck? Have you ever seen I've it? I've never seen Below oh, Deck. Oh, don't watch no. it. It's dumb. Okay. It's. I was about to Google it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty people who run rich boats and it's drama that happens uh, below deck. It's it's stupid. I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. Is it a reality show? Yeah, it's a reality show. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so. Um, yeah, no interest in it. 
Um, yeah, the, the middle section, I mean, we're not going to give too much away other than what Ben, you already said, the disgusting aspect of this film. Which comes and yet out of nowhere. You're like, what I mean, is I'm happening? Gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Some people throw up on camera. Some people, everybody throws up on camera. Uh, <laughs> it, it is the scene stealing sequence of the movie and it lasts a long time. But yes. I, I just thought, interesting connection with that. I, I remember seeing Kingpin the first time and just being in tears laughing because Woody Harrelson threw up on camera. And I, I don't know whether it ever happened before, but it was certainly the first time I ever saw somebody literally, they're not covering their mouths or ducking their head in the toilet. It's like, you're actually seeing the spew come out of their mouth. And wow, does this movie top it? I mean, it is it is very over the top. But w- when that sequence started, I was like, oh, that's catching me off guard. Interesting. And then I keep watching it every once in a while. I'm like, huh, that was kind of funny. And then the, the longer the sequence goes, the more I was laughing. So it's like, you should be getting more and more like appalled as it's going on. But this movie has such an uncomfortable aspect to the comedy. I mean, not just the middle sequence, but all the things early in the film, even like the, the opening scene with the, the guy of the modeling audition, which is where the triangle of sadness line comes from, where you're like, it's, it's funny because it's awkward. I, I don't want to laugh out loud. But then you reach a point where you start to laugh out loud at this movie, just because I think you've accepted how absurd it is. Yeah. And I think that, you're exactly right. And it's just, I'm not one who's grossed out easily, but I mean, people vomiting is one of those things where you're kind of like, oh, like, you know, like come from the other end, that's fine. And there's a bit of that in this movie, but like, you know, it's it's usually the vomit that gets me a little bit like, oh, okay, that's a bit off. But um, it's just, and like kind of that's where I thought like there was going to be something coming from this movie. Like, okay, like it's the rich people getting covered in gross shit. But then like, like literally the twist that kind of then comes from that to then get them on the island, like absolutely no clue. Like, and I kind of thought it was funny. Like this is, again, I I was like making the weird comparisons. You wouldn't barely remember Swinging Safari, I bet. But like, it kind of reminds me of the ending of Swinging Safari where they're all running away from the whale exploding. And you got the two young guys who are in the water and like, oh, cool, we're safe. But then they cut underneath the water and then you see a great white shark about to attack them and they kind of just end it there. So it's kind of just like, it's like, oh, okay, that's funny. Like, you know, something like that sort of happening to them. But yeah, I mean, when that happened and then kind of when they get to the island, like, I mean, I can't really say what I want to say without spoiling it, but like, we've only got a handful of characters left and it's kind of like, okay, the rest of everyone. Okay. Uh, Like, it's just like, all right, deal with (laughs) it. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. Um, But then even just like the stuff that kind of happens on, on the island and kind of the, the transition. And then it's sort of, that's where I was like mentioning like the Rocky Horror Picture Show comparisons because you've kind of got this young couple that kind of do what they have to do now that they're in this situation. And I know you love the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it's like when Brad and Janet are just sleeping with Tim Curry to kind of get ahead in the freaking mansion thing. And then it's just kind of glossed under. That's kind of what happens in this. I, I just want the the director here. What's his name? Uh, Ruben Osland. I want him in the studio pitch to be like, all right, I want you to envision. It's kind of like Swept Away. <laughs> it's kind of like Parasite and kind of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And like, here's your $10 million. Go make the movie. Yep. Um, this movie, uh, one little bit of trivia I read is that it, it, it basically, I guess, was made two parts during the pandemic. They had to shut down and then they came back and they were basically barely able to finish this. I mean, if, if they had taken an extra couple of days, they would have been shut down for a second time. So, I mean, th- this movie took a lot of work to make and I don't even know what the budget is to this, but I mean, to me, this is the type of small movie that looks like a million dollars. So $15 million is what it costs to make this movie. And maybe because they film on a real, you know, uh, cruise ship or yacht or whatever. It's a nice boat. I'm not a boat yeah, person, but, even just, but it's a nice boat. 
the production values of this movie are like extraordinary. Like what they're able to do with the big sequence in the middle of the movie is just insane. Um, the fact this got nominated for only three awards, I'm like, well, that's mm. not doing it justice. But then you look at the awards it got nominated for. Ruben Austin's nominated for original screenplay. He's nominated for best director and it's nominated for best picture. Now, since they expanded the best picture to t- up to 10 nominees or now 10 nominees, you always have to look at, okay, well, what actually got nominated for best director? And that tells you what are the true movies that maybe could have been nominated in a regular year before these expansions. And surprisingly, this is actually one of them. I mean, you, you know, Banshees, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Fablemans, Tar, and this, those are the ones that got the director nomination too. So this is, I guess, you know, one of the five front runners uh, as far as what the support they had going in was. Although I, I think I'm kind of sad looking at this thinking, I don't know if it's going to win anything. I mean, it, I think it, it it maybe should win original screenplay, even over everything all, everywhere all at once, just because the dialogue in this movie is like, how does somebody come up with this stuff? Yeah. How do they come up with the premise? They're both very crazy movies, but uh, I don't think it really has a shot at winning any of these awards. That it's, I mean, it's not really winning anything, but we should mention it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes last year. So, I mean, this mm-hmm. is the, the Cannes best film, but outside of that, a bunch of European awards, I think that's kind of where it's, you know, getting the love, sadly. But, I mean, it's obviously getting all the nominations, but it just doesn't seem to be winning. I mean, Dolly won the North Dakota Film Society Award for Best Support. I mean, oh, that's what she they wanted. They know what they're talking about. The North Dakota Film Society, that's what you wanted. And then you've got the Gold Barge Awards, the Swedish Awards. So this basically swept the uh, the field at the annual Except Swedish. for screenplay. Yeah. What won screenplay? <laughs> Jeez, I mean, that was very well publicized. Best screenplay at the Swedish Film Awards uh, was won by, ah, Spring or Spring, uh, of course. Wow. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, that was 2020. What? Do they not have these so updated? They don't even have it on here. Yeah, they don't have it updated for like 2023. Um Okay, well, apparently, well, go out and see Spring or Spring. I'm sure it's a great <laughs> Swedish film that everybody should go watch. Of course, everybody knows it's starring the esteemed Uji Brandilius. Um, so I, I loved it. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting that it's sort of, as you said, kind of in that, I guess, five of the main ones. But I, yeah, I don't think this has got a, sadly, a hope of winning any of them, to be completely honest, which is a bit sad. I, I think what's even more sad is I, I pulled up all the 10 Best Picture nominated movies. They're based on the Rotten Tomato score. And this is the tied, I guess, for the second lowest um the the lowest or is it the lowest hold on uh no lowest is yeah uh this is 72 percent so avatar the way of water is four percent higher than this elvis is five percent higher than this everything else is in the 90s like what is it that people some people apparently didn't get about this movie i mean i think that the message is brilliant is delivered you know very uh non uh, what would be what would be the phrase uh, not not taking one side or the other it's hilarious. It's outrageous. It's it's brilliantly shot. It's got Dolly in it. It, it was it was good enough for the ghoul bags, but not good enough for you know, 28% of the critics who rated it. And I'm just sad that Women Talking got 91%. 91%. I think that's deserved. 90 minutes of women in a room deciding between three options. <laughs> and this gets, what did you say, 70 whatever percent. The 72. La- the Last Jedi got higher than this. Ugh. Like you can fuck right off Rotten Tomatoes. Um, do you think that Woody Harrelson should have gotten a supporting actor? I mean, I, I would even say the Russian guy, but Woody oh. Harrelson, especially, I mean, he's the one star so much. He's the one star in this movie. And this isn't just as a Woody Harrelson fan saying this, that 
the opening credits, I joked yesterday, it runs through all the other names. And then all of a sudden it has in the biggest letters you've ever seen, Woody Harrelson. With, I mean, without Woody Harrelson, you don't really have a star in this movie. I mean, no disrespect to the other actors, but I mean, yeah. like as in a notable name. And and like you- Governor Bibble. Yeah, well, you went back to how you said like you didn't see any clips. I, the only thing that I'd seen of this movie was the screenshot that we've used for the graphic on our website for this. And that's, I literally just typed in Triangle Sand. It's got a guy's Woody Harrelson laughing. Okay, clearly this is a Woody Harrelson movie with him lots in it. Um. I mean, the biggest argument we can always keep bringing up, if Judd Hirsch got nominated for an Oscar, Woody Harrelson just yeah. got nominated for an Oscar. And again, not to take away from Judd Hirsch, we're not saying Judd Hirsch is bad, he's in one scene. So, like, yeah. this is where Woody Harrelson being in what? Like a third, not even a third of the movie, he's maybe in a quarter of the movie. Because even in that middle section, he's missing. He's yelling through a door for, like, you know, the first act of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. And I agree, the Russian guy's fantastic as well. I mean, you know, we're talking about uh, Dolly and, and Woody uh, the Russian guy's up there, and I think he's mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, I, I love the, the boat captain woman. I thought she was really good too, um, which yeah. even with short hair. Um, so <laughs> uh, I, I'm on board. Was, was she Clementine? Was that her? No, it was Clementine uh, the older one. No, definitely not I'm Clementine. Clementine's here. an older woman based on the actress's age. Um, Paula. 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 Yeah, she's Vicky Paula. Berlin Tarp. She is. She's got no credits to her name. Danish, yeah. I wonder if she's been in anything with uh, Mads, probably, or uh, uh, or uh, what's his face, Davidov, Ulrich. Uh, I'm going to buy this movie. Um, and I I literally will buy this movie. Like as soon as it was over, I'm like, where can I get a copy? Is it out yet? Like I got I got to watch this. I mean, it's it's that movie that I always look for. This like it surprises you. Maybe you would have seen it on TV one day, or maybe you would have checked it out if it, there was nothing else to watch, but you do watch it and you're like so glad that you did. Uh, this is maybe the biggest surprise of this entire year, and it's going to be ranked very highly for me, but you, can you please tell me you're buying this? Well, before I tell you my answer, one thing that I definitely would buy is Brendan Fraser, and props oh. to that man, <laughs> because we're nearly at the end of this and we haven't said it. Uh, absolutely buying it, yes. Uh, definitely buying it, worthy of it. And yeah, like as you said, sort of a surprise. It's You know, we have these. I think we've had these plenty of times throughout these Oscar years that we've done. Uh, obviously, this is like the fourth one we've done together. I know you did sort of two by yourself, but like you always kind of have those films where, yeah, I like that. You don't really know what you're expecting, but then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I like that. It's like, I, you know, well, is this a movie I'm going to rewatch again anytime soon? Probably not, but like I know it'll be in a couple of years' time when I go, oh, Triangle Sanders, I really like that. Crash, a perfect example. I remember watching Crash, loved it. Have I watched it since? No, but I'm sure if I right now put on Crash, I would enjoy it again. Green Book. I loved Green Book. Would I watch it again? Probably not. But if I did, I'd be like, oh, I remember liking that. You know, uh, Lady Bird or whatever it was called, or the Three Billboards, like all these movies that were watched, oh, yeah. the freaking Shape of Fucking a Fish in the Water or whatever it was called. Like, <laughs> you know, these are movies that I enjoyed and I would gladly watch again, but do I go out of my way to watch them again? No. So uh, long-winded answer, bye. Um, and please tell me you're ranking this ahead of uh, Little Women Talking or Women Talking. I am ranking this very high. Actually, the the, the one thing this reminded me of was uh, you weren't on it last year, but a movie called Licorice Pizza, which was from all people, the director of Phantom Thread. And that was the movie where I'm like, this movie is so far above everything else. And I, I dragged Jamie to see that like a week later. I'm like, I love this movie so much. you got to see it again. And I've seen it two more times since then. That's the way this is for me. So this is one that I would rush out to see again. In fact, I already told Jamie, like, you got to see this movie. I I tried to explain it to her. I'm like, no, no, you just got to see it. Uh, I mean, this to me, this is ranking. I almost wish that we didn't have 
everything everywhere all at once and Top Gun this year because this is the type of movie that would be like that's my number one I want this movie to win everything uh, but I can't rank it higher than those two movies so it's gonna be number three for me overall right now see this is where I very tricky for me because yeah my number one will still be Top Gun number two will still be everything all at once but it's between this and Banshees and I'm just like oh what's third like I mean I'm just so like toyed and toyed but like I've given the slight edge to Banshees just because it's just, I don't know. There's just something about that that was just so charming. And that was just, yeah. Whereas like this, the, the thing that kind of took this away ahead of Banshees, I think I enjoyed every second of Banshees. Whereas this is kind of like that opening act is a bit like, okay, what's going on here? Like, you know, all right. And then it picks up. But again, I love this film. So um, yeah, just below Banshees of Ed Sheeran for me. And uh, just above the, well, not just above, a bit above the Fablemans. You know, your rankings are pretty similar to the Rotten Tomato scores. Top Gun Maverick and Banshees are the top two rated. They both have 96%. Everything Everywhere All at Once is just below that at 95 so Top Gun and Banshees are almost unbeatable as far as the critics. Well, you know, well, you know Top Gun's definitely in my top three no matter what because we've only got two films to go. So um, There you go. Oh, I love it's, it. It's at least a bronze medal. <laughs> Can we watch Tom again? Is he there? Like, I just want to watch him. Where is he? Where's Tom? Um, next up is the second last one, which is I guess the last one we have not talked about at all because mm. Elvis will be our final one, and we did review that months ago. But uh, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, it's a movie with subtitles, so I don't know what Ben's going to think about it. Mine wasn't. Um, oh, I was going to ask you about that. So, I mean, this is a German film. It should be subtitled, but Netflix picked up the rights to this, and it automatically defaults on Netflix to an English dub. Yeah, I got that. So I watched, I watched. Yeah, I watched the first scene, and I'm like, how much of this is in English? I thought this movie was in German. And then all of a sudden, the second scene, I'm like, wait, that guy's mouth isn't matching. So I mm. switched over to the German one. So... Uh, there you go. Ben might enjoy this more well, because he didn't have to read during it. I knew it was a German film and like I I sort of I think I'd read that there was a dub of it. Um, I mean, the, the one thing I'll say that's sort of a negative about not having the subtitles is sort of like the end bit where you've got the text at the screen and they sort of, you know, this is oh, what yeah. happened. So I actually don't know what that said. My German's not that fantastic. <laughs> How did the war end? I got to know. Yeah, fuck, did, who won? Um it took me a while to realize this is World War One and not World War Two. <laughs> I don't know how you don't. I'm going like, why are we following the bad guys here? I mean, I guess the Germans <laughs> are still the bad guys in World War One, but um, there were trenches in World War Two. We've talked about this. Were there? I'm pretty sure there were some. Um, know. You know, they still use trenches in like some parts of war, don't they? I don't know. I don't follow war. Um, I mean, if, here's the thing: if you read the end of the movie, you might realize why there probably wasn't trenches in World War Two, but. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look that up before it, tomorrow. Uh, one thing I'll say, though, uh, yeah, I, I don't really give away my opinion on it. I mean, I it's it always one thing I'll say every time I watch a war film, because I mean, it's not a genre I rush out of my way to watch, but I don't think I've ever seen a war film and gone, that's bad. I think The Thin Red Line, I think I was a kid. I don't know if I liked that, but that was, I don't know. I was young. I've not seen that in a long time. But um, a, a man in this that we're going to be talking about very soon in anniversary month, who I was yeah. this close to interviewing. I was like, it was on oh. the cusp because like his breakout role was basically in Rush. And now he's gone on to, you know, being Marvel Cinematic Universe, Daniel Brühl, love him. And um, I like, I was legitimately like locked into an interview. It was similar to like uh, back when I was Wayne Brady, it was like locked in, they canceled it last minute. We never rescheduled. So I'm very sad that I never got to interview Daniel Brühl, but I was very close and I love him and it's good to see him speaking his native tongue. 
Yes. Except I didn't uh, see that. I heard the dubbed version. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping Daniel Brühl dubbed himself. I don't know. There's going to be like Schwarzenegger and Hercules in New York or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get him on the show and find out from Nikki Lauda, who we're going to be talking about in a few months' time. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow. And then we will wrap it up the day after that with Elvis and our final preview, which will be tacked on to that. Um, go out and watch Triangle of Sadness because this is probably the one movie that most people aren't going to bother to watch, but you should watch it. Uh, and just... Go on an empty stomach. Uh, <laughs> listen to the end of this episode for all the other stuff we have going up. And I uh, hope you enjoyed our recent 24 episode. I know I thought it was hilarious. Ben, you thought it was hilarious. Uh, Joe Biden thought it was hilarious. He sure did. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a man Joe is. Absolutely. Uh, and also I will say, I think we alluded to it, but I mean, you're listening to this and it's basically a week later, but uh, we did do a spoiler-free review, speaking of Formula One, of Drive to Survive Season 5. Colin loved every oh. second of that. Hooked into it as always, big Formula One fan. So, um, yeah, with special guest, that girl who was in the background that one time. <laughs> she was definitely in the background. She's not Jen. I just didn't guess the right name. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Speaking of Woody Harrelson, uh, I think at the time this is going out, you might be hearing in a couple of days uh spoiler for your review of Mighty Woody Ducks. Harrelson's movie, Mighty Ducks for <laughs> Champions. It's called Mighty Ducks in Australia, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping uh, I will have seen that by then and then uh, bring Jamie on for review because I'm dragging her to that movie. She has no say in the matter. Um, have you done your review of Cocaine ba- Bear yet? I don't know if I'm going to see we it. We watch so. Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I'm hoping somebody else watches it because uh, it's tough to get Jamie on these episodes, but uh, it, it lives up to its name. That's all I'll say. It's, cool. it's snakes on a plane women with a bear talking. on cocaine. If it was women it's, on cocaine, maybe I would. <laughs> <laughs> women on cocaine bear on a plane now there's a movie talking Talk- <laughs> that women talking on a cocaine bear on a plane <laughs> solid movie uh, coming soon from oz network they're literally they're sitting around going do we shoot the bear or shoot the snakes which <laughs> direction should we take and then the snake comes in bites them on the penis and then a bear <laughs> sniffs, sniffs cocaine uh, look forward to that. I can't wait to talk about it because that's exact. Ben guessed what the plot is of Cocaine Bear. Uh, my name is Colin, and I don't want to sleep with my best friend. And my name is Ben, and pick which one of these you like better. Or I'm coming. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 